So we're in our series, yeah, more than words. I'm trying not to be so preachy. I've been preachy a lot lately, you know? I've been, I've been just fired up, just kind of bouncing back and forth, and I'm thinking, man, they're going to they're gonna think I'm just like a tiger, aggressive up here, and I'm aggressive with the gospel. I, I love the authority of Jesus Christ that he gives us, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to teach some today because I think sometimes we get too caught up in the weeds and we just need to see the truth for what it is, kind of go back to that childlike faith right? That childlike faith. And so we're going to try to bring that in because when we, when we have that childlike faith, love is easy and victory with, with authority is really easy because we just kind of believe it at its word, right? We believe it at its word. Because the first week we talked about love. We talked about how Jesus opened the garden. You know, he presented himself to what Mary Magdalene thought was a gardener. And the, the, the symbolism is, hey, the spiritual garden of, of Eden, it, it's wide open again. Now, there's a physical life that we see, but then there's a spiritual garden that's going on beside us. And us, we talked about this, in, in rewriting injustice and unrighteousness in the same ways I just talked about a while ago, is we are here to implement the kingdom principles here on earth. That's why we need to vote for the right people, to implement those principles here on earth so that we can rewrite the injustice and the unrighteousness that's going on here on earth. We don't come with judgment. We don't come with condemnation. We come with the love and the conviction of the Holy Spirit allowing him to flow through us, just showing, hey, here's kingdom principles that actually work in this situation right here. So we talked about that. And then last weekend was an amazing, to me, it was one of the most amazing uh, interpretations or or conversations about about victory and authority that we have, you know, having dominion. Uh, I don't want to say interpretation, but uh, just an extraction, an exegetical extraction of God's word and just putting everything together say, wow, we have that. Like, we, we have that. That's, that's, been a, that's been gifted to us. So we, we talked about that. You can go online and listen to those on our Facebook or our SoundCloud. And, but today we're talking about more than words, but we're talking about bread. Like, the Bible, Jesus, look like Jesus right here, is bread. He's bread. A little bit difference is he's unleavened. You know, this bread has sin in it. It's got leaven, right? It's a rise. But Jesus is the unleavened bread. And so number one is, I'm going to go ahead and drive there, is he is our daily bread. The Bible is our daily bread. He is our daily bread. And I want to show this to you. Exodus 16, 4 says, Then the Lord, Jesus, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them. Follow what he's saying. They're only going to get so much each day, and the purpose is so that he can test them. And in order to get there, he says, whether they will walk, he wants to test them to see whether they will walk in my law or not. So there's a test that God puts us through. He gives us just enough for today to see if we're going to walk in that way from his bread so he can test our hearts to see if we're going to follow him. I just, just want to make some points of that. Matthew 6.11 says this. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Is it that God wants to give us a daily word? Or does he want us to have this daily? Is it that God wants to give us, you and I, a daily word? Not lo- I know life is busy. Let me just give you an example. We came out of Resurrection Weekend. And for the church staff that's extremely, and volunteers, it's an extremely busy week. Guess what? We didn't stop there. Monday, I had to get up, write a message, took my daughter to gymnastics, came back, continued to write my message, had to go to Tyler for a family meeting, 
came back, had something Monday afternoon, pictures, family pictures Monday afternoon. Tuesday, I had meetings back to back to back from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Wednesday, I was able to work on my message, had a, had a, a meeting that day, meetings that day. I don't even remember. It starts to get jumbled. Thursday, woke up with a meeting after taking my daughter to, to, to school. Finished the day with a building meeting, had building meetings all throughout the day through the phone and email, and then finished the day with Thrive Tribes. Amazing, had a great time, cooked breakfast for, for dinner with Thrive Tribes with my lovely uh, little, little daughter, uh, sister-in-law, Noreen, and then Friday, a six-hour family meeting, and then followed by going to visit friends who I've been doing a, a, a f- weekend fishing trip for 15, 14 years now. Finished that, got to bed at midnight or after midnight, woke up at 6 a.m. just to spend a little time with the Lord before they woke up having coffee on, the boat, on their boat fishing. It kind of gets busy. But guess what? Not one day this week did I miss time with the Lord. Not one day did I miss time with the Lord. I, 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 want, you, I want you to know that. But what's the word? What's the word that the Lord has given you today? What's, where do you get it? Because in the midst of chaos, what are you going to be centered on? What is it when everything is shaking around you and everything's busy around you, what is it that you're rooting yourself in that day so that you can say, while all this is going on, I'm rooted right here, I'm centered here. And this is what, exactly what Jesus wants to do. He wants to give us a daily word. Have you ever gone all day, and I'm not talking about fasting, I'm talking about you just started out the day, and you forgot to eat, you forgot you were so busy, you were caught up in the chaos of everything, and then all of a sudden you start to feel tired, you start to feel a little stressed, you, you get a little, you're a little angry, and then you stop and you say, man, I haven't, I just feel yucky, I haven't eaten all day. Feel, ever felt that way? And that's exactly how many of us are feeling each day, because we're not eating our spiritual food throughout the day, but even more so in the morning. There's a lot of Christians that are dying from malnutrition because they're not feeding on the Word of God. Got me? And that's exactly what happens when we don't get our bread. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Wow. Man, I don't feel like I'm resourced. Man, I don't feel like I have benefits. Man, I don't... You fill in the blank of where you feel at the end of the day when you're exhausted, taxed. Well, there's something out of line because Scripture says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. And I would like to ask each and every one of us to commit, Psalm 68, 19, to commit to reading Scripture every day. Many of us, maybe, you're reading Scripture every day Here's what I want to ask you to do. Add to your time. Maybe even double your time. Stretch yourself a little bit more. And it's likely you've been sustaining life where it is, but you're not sustaining the growth that God wants for your life. There's a a huge difference. Some are living where I'm unsustained. I'm not getting my daily bread. Some are living where I'm just sustaining where I'm at. I'm status quo. And then what I want to charge you into is going to the place where if Jesus has growth for me in the abundant life, and I'm not living as abundant as I think I could, then I want to ask you to invest daily more time with the Lord so that he can sustain the abundance, the growth in your life that he desires for you. Okay? I want to challenge you to do that because we need to get our spiritual food for us. If you'll read the Bible 
for every day for 30 days. If you're not fully satisfied, I will give you your money back. Okay? You're good. You're good right there. As you start to do these things, I, I want you to go into that. And this is what I was taught in Bible, Bible college. I was talking with this with Lacey this week. Go into it. Lord, I'm setting aside all presuppositions. I'm a blank slate. I'm going into this. I'm approaching you through a word that I've read ten times like I've never read it before. Every time you go in God's word, go into his word just like that. And then recite Psalms 119, 18 and say this. Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things in your law. Another version says that I open my eyes that I may see the truth in your word. It's his word, open my eyes, because I don't want to go in it with presuppositions thinking, I already know what this text is going to say. I want to go into it with, Lord, open my eyes so I may see your wondrous works, your truths, your expansion, your miracles, your testimonies from a fresh and a revelatory way. Go in, let him feed you that way, and then, and then you're thinking, thinking well, what, what, what version do I read in order to get there? What versions can I read? I'm going to give you three types of versions. One, the first one being a paraphrase. It's, it is a type, and, and don't, people don't, I don't like that. It's not, it's not, it doesn't go with our, uh, what the, the true text. And no, it doesn't go exactly with the true text. What a paraphrase is, that is actually the living Bible. of A father took the Bible, the English Bible, translated it into a modern-day language and idioms, and he said, hey, I want my kids to be able to understand the Bible at a, at a young age. So he took the Bible, the English Bible, from English, translated it in phrases that matched up with the English language Bible so that his kids could read it. That's a paraphrase, all right? So don't judge the paraphrase. Sometimes we get a little legalistic about our Bibles. But then there's an exact equivalency. Now, you might hear it as this, as a word for word. Exact equivalency. And then there's an, a, a dynamic equivalency, and that's a phrase or a thought. I was taught it's a thought for thought. A word for word is literally from the Hebrew or the Greek. They took a word, and then they matched the word in English. Took a word, matched the word in English. And that, that's sometimes why the King James is so hard to read. It's in the old language, and they put, letter, put words in there to kind of make it flow with the Hebrew and the Greek. Language has, has changed over time. We have different pronouns and prepositions. I don't want to get in that. I'll blow your mind, get you exhausted. You won't hear anything else that I say. The dynamic translation being the phrase or the thought, meaning I took, some, I took a scripture, the, a whole a scripture, and then reworded it to make it more understandable in our modern language right now. And so I'm going to give you some examples. Exact equivalency, that's word for word. If I'm going to study the word of God, I'm going to study from an exact equivalency. You're talking about the New King, New King James Version. You often, these are, all these verses are from the NKJV. I study from the NASB. It's an exact equivalency. I have the NASB that has push-button Strong's concordance with it, so I can see the original language. I can see the words, other words, other areas it's used. I can see where it's most used, as a word it's most used, uh, right here on, on my phone or my tablet right here. So uh, NASB, NKJV, and also the English Standard Version, those are just a few of the exact equivalencies. There's more, but these are some of the more popular. Dynamic equivalency, we're talking about the New Living Translation. If you ever pick that up, really easy to read, right? You can connect with it because it just feels familiar. That's a, the purpose is it's been brought into your modern-day American Western English from the original text, Hebrew and Greek, okay? So, but it's a phrase. The NIV is another one. It's another phrase or thought, thought for thought. 
Uh, then the message, the message Bible also is actually brought from the original language, not from English to English. It's actually brought from Greek or Hebrew into more of a paraphrased version. And so it's like, you know, you might say Jesus was in the, you know, Irish might say Jesus was in the garden with his disciples and, and, and he went to pray and they came, he came back and they were asleep. Well, the message may say something like, you know, Jesus was in the garden. He left the, he left the disciples behind. He went, to, he went to spend a little time with the Father. But when he came back, man, they were tripping. They fell asleep. And so, can't you even stay up for a minute? And it, it, it's just a little bit of different phrase, paraphrasing, and just so you can kind of connect and you can relate. So, everybody should probably spend a little bit of time. Once you can't get the exact equivalency, go to a dynamic and say, let me feel this a little bit differently. And if you still can't, go to the message. Just let it relate. That way it can open you up so that you can get to the place where now I can understand an exact equivalency. Is that good? Okay. So that's that. We talked about an exact equivalency, translates word by word for word, dynamic equivalency, thought or, or, or phrase. And I, I kind of thought it this way with my own kids. I have, a, you know, I have an adopted daughter now. I have a, a son here, and I have Naomi. Naomi is an exact equivalency of me. I asked her how her school went, and she says, dude, that's her way of saying good. I, I, and then she says, I want some candy. And so she's meaning she wants some candy. I, I asked her what she I'm thinking explanation, but she says, good, I want some candy, exact equivalency. That's exactly how I would probably respond. How's your day? Good. I, I want something to eat. <laughs> now, Noreen is a dynamic equivalency. <laughs> dynamic. I wake up, and she comes in, or, you know, she comes in the room. I said, hey, hey, Noreen, how's your day going? Oh, well, Nathan, you know, I woke up at 5, 5.30. I went ahead and decided to take a shower. I thought my stomach was hurting, and so I, I thought I, I would go in and eat. I made some cereal this morning. I hope you didn't hear me. Did I wake up, Nathan? No, okay. Uh, then I, I realized it might have been just a little bit of gas, and so I relieved that. And then, <laughs> And then, you know, I watched my first, I watched this episode of Glee this morning before I started my studies. And uh, do you want to eat breakfast, by the way? I know y'all are about to go work out, but would you like breakfast when you come down? You got to have some time when you're talking about a dynamic equivalency. <laughs> now, I may think those things, but I never say it like that. And so I, I love that we're in the office, to, we're in the office, and, and, and Nordine is reciting my, temp, my, my, my normal thoughts. But when I say the words, it comes out more like Naomi. And so, so there, there's your version, your understanding of the difference right there. So number one, he's our, our daily bread. Number two, he's our sustaining bread. He's our sustaining bread. And God wants to give you a word every day. He wants to give you a word every day. Read something, and you read something in the morning, and you're thinking somewhere in the afternoon, something happens, somebody be tripping in the office, or so it's driving down the road, and, and that word comes about from the morning, and you're like, thank you, God. That's exactly why you gave me that word for this day, because you know, you knew when this little chaos was going to happen, you gave me an invitation to be centered on the rock, right? To be centered on your word. And that's when change starts to happen right here. But if we're not in the word, we get centered in the chaos and it begins to come out of our lives, right? So he wants to give us a word every day. Let's take a test. How many, time, how many people in here read the Bible five times plus a week? Okay. How many people read four times or less? 
It has to be the others. How many people read three times or less? Nobody wants to admit it. Let me tell you why. Uh, According to a recent study, 57% of Americans read their Bible four times a year or less. Four times a year or less, 56%. Only 26% of Americans read it more than four times a week. So guys, if you always wanted to be like a valedictorian in the top 10% of your class, all you have to do is read your Bible every day and you are like accelerated learning. Man, Lance, he loves that. He loves, that is so good. Matthew 4, 3 through 4 says this. Now when the tempter came to him, Jesus, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, Jesus answered, says, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Isn't it interesting that we're talking about in Exodus the manna, the bread from heaven, and in the first sighting we see this. Here is the introduction. Here's Jesus in his moment where he has to be in the wilderness. Can we say the exile from a few weeks ago? He's in exile right now, being tempted by the tempter, and the tempter is trying to get Jesus to turn a stone into something that Jesus already is. Satan is trying to tempt Jesus to turn something of natural into natural provision, and Jesus is saying, I am the provision. It is written, man shall not live by that, but every word that flows from the mouth of God. You need to see this. You can have the most valuable, the most admirable life, but when hard times hit, You need to have God's word written on your heart. Can I get an amen? And when the tempter comes and he says, and you better be able to say, it is written. And he's trying to tempt you. And if you don't have that word that's in your heart because you got your daily bread, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be some challenge. There's going to be some trial. Nothing wrong with having things. But if you're not living the word, there will be no chance of rebuking Satan in the moment. And how many of us know what can happen in 10 seconds, especially falling in temptation, can take weeks to get out of? Years to get out of. And even if you stare, you come back around, and you make a different decision, you're wrestling with that thing emotionally. Why didn't I just do that? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't I? I knew better to do that. It is written, and that needs to be written on our hearts because the temptation, the trial, the difficulty, the pain, the suffering, it is going to come. Life will hit you. This life will eat you up and spit you out if you don't have a little bit of grit that rests on the Word of God, a little bit of perseverance that rests on the Word of God. I was in a family meeting this Friday, and I had so many, I'm thinking back, I'm thinking, I had so many opportunities to deliver the gospel one after the next we talk about a gift, and just because someone gives you a gift doesn't mean you have to receive the gift. Allie saw it. She goes, that's like Jesus. And I'm like, why didn't I say that? And so there's another time, and I'm looking with, my, with one of my family members, and, and we're sitting there looking over the property where they're building a home, and they said they had to pour concrete piers all the way down to bedrock. And here's a moment where it's like, again, we have to have our, the stability down through the, 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 the difficulties of life. We need to be set on the bedrock of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, especially in Kaufman County, when the earth starts to shift a little bit, your house will get rocked and it will be cracked. Man, another, another moment, another understanding of 
We need to make sure that our peers, we're standing on the bedrock of Jesus Christ because I guarantee you life's going to get shook. It's not getting any easier. It's not getting any easier. We've got to get in with him. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God, Jesus right there is transitioning this understanding of bread from heaven. Track with me. He's quoting in this Deuteronomy 8.3, and that says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. God was allowing the, the Israel, people of Israel, the Hebrews, to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that, the, that man shall not live by bread alone. God was humbling them intentionally so that they may know that man cannot live by bread alone. Now he's taking a spiritual thing, a, a natural thing, and he's bringing about, he's about to bring ba- about some spiritual context to it. It's, it reminds me of this whole thing of the bread reminds me of, you know, if you ever start the keto diet, then there's a season where you kind of go through this keto flu. Your body is messed up and you almost feel like you have the flu, but you really don't. It's just you quit eating bread. You quit eating so many carbs and your body is craving that stuff. Selfishly, all you want to do is grab one of these and take a bite out of it so that you can please the, the pleasures that are the pleasures and the pain that are going on inside, Right. And it's interesting, the keto diet must be holy because Jesus was unleavened, and unleavened bread is okay for the keto. There's some, there, there's some spiritual significance in there, so I want to encourage you guys to think about that. Whenever you're looking for a lifestyle change, go keto, right, Rick? 15 pounds and counting, he's going down. No more a sausage, Mark. No more a sausage. <laughs> he says, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We become so self-pleasing that we reject the very things that God is using to humble us so that we draw near to Him. Our nature is truly is to run towards physical pleasures. How many times during a stressful moment does someone run to pornography, run to addiction, run to food, run to something that pleases self in the moment. That's our natural inclination. And oftentimes, God is using something to humble us so that through that humility, we'll draw near to Him, but yet we go finding, reaching for something we can control, something we can maintain, something we can do to say, I still have stability within myself, and I have control of what's going on around me. Every Almost every time when we're not saturated, we're not sitting, we're not seated in strength, in strength on the bedrock of Jesus Christ, that's going to happen rather than the sustaining nutrition of God's word and applying it in that moment, maybe because we didn't have our, our daily bread or maybe we're just not paying attention to the daily bread we did have, we go searching out. But it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It's his goodness. And we think, God, why are you punishing me? And he's not. He's blessing us, humbling us, so that we'll draw near to him. Remember what Scripture says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God so that he doesn't have to humble you. If we'll just humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, he won't have to humble us. He's allowing us to hunger for, so things, uh, so you, you hunger for right things. He allows us to hunger, so we'll hunger for right things, but we don't want the bread of life we want Panera bread, right? I, I'm not going to draw into the, the, the bread of life. I'm not going to draw into my substance 
I'm not going to draw into what's going to feed, please me and feed me in the right way. Let me say it this way. You feed your natural body natural food, right? So we have to feed our spiritual bodies spiritual food. We must feed our spiritual bodies to sustain our spiritual, our spiritual uh, bodies, spiritual food to sustain our spiritual bodies. Isaiah 55.2 says it this way, Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. He's saying this, why do you spend your time on things that are not truly going to feed you? You say, you know, he said money. Time is money, right? We know it. We spend our time making money to buy things that we think are going to sustain us and provide for us, only to find out when those things don't provide for us, we go and try to make more money so that we can provide more because that obviously wasn't enough. We overcorrect, and what the reality is, I need to drive it home, and I need to go to what the source is who sustains my life. I need to go to the spiritual source that sustains my life so that I can spend my time there. From that place, I promise you from that place, applying those principles God will bring about the resources. He'll bring about the money. He'll bring about the ideas. He'll bring about the creativity. He'll bring about the provision. But it's through him applying his principles, living his ways beyond what our natural inclination says. It's following him. Listen carefully to me, he says. He continues in in verse 2. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Spiritual food that sustains your soul. And let, not, let, let your soul delight itself in abundance. You notice that he said, when we feed ourselves on spiritual food, on what is good, our soul then delights in abundance. And we talked about Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And there's a picture that he's trying to paint right here. Taking in the bread of life is how believers are able to live this abundant life. We get it mixed up. We think we have to do other things. Look at Job 23, 12. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have treasured the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. Joshua 1, 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you, have, you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then. Once you've done all those things for then, it, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you, you, you see what it's saying? We're going after the latter, but we're not seeking the former. We're not doing it in the methods of the former. He's saying, your ways will prosper if we meditate in the Word day and night. If we just keep it in our heart, and that'd be the bedrock of our decisions whenever things are happening, whenever I have to make a business decision, whenever I have to make a family decision, whenever I have to make a relational decision. He says, if we'll lean on Him and do from His Word, all these things will prosper. Our vocation, our finances, our marriage, our emotions, our hurts, our, our, voca- our, our ministry, all these things that we think, if I can just work harder, and these will grow He's saying, no, if you'll just meditate in my word day to night, live from there, all these things will grow. It's a mind shift. And through this whole pro- through this whole message, Jesus is sitting here taking a natural thing, and he's trying to shift the perspective into spiritual things so that he can be the provision. He can bring about the abundant life. The very thing that we seek, 
He's trying to change our perspective on how to get there. But we see a natural world. We assimilate everything according to a natural world. And I'm telling you, go back to a couple of weeks, last two weekends, there's a spiritual world going on behind the natural. And if we're looking and living from the natural world, we're saying the natural world is more powerful than the spiritual. But Jesus has called us to bring, bring the kingdom, to live the kingdom here on earth. And he's called us to see the spiritual things behind the natural so that we can influence the natural. Different thinking. If you'll read and meditate in God's word every day, not in Facebook, not in Instagram, not in the Wall Street Journal, not in CNN News, not in Fox News, not in ESPN. I heard a person say, well, I don't know, what, I don't know what's going on in the world unless it's on ESPN. <laughs> Read and meditate on God's word every day. So it's our daily bread. It's our sustaining bread. Number three, it's our true bread. By the way, if you don't know, Bible comes from, from the Biblios, from the word Biblios. Biblios comes from Biblos, which was an importer of papyrus, of paper. It's what we know it as paper. And that's, a, that's actually a Phoenician city. Biblos was a Phoenician city. It's modern-day Lebanon. They produced the plant that produces pages for paper so that there could be a Bible. Bible just means book. However, it's the Holy Bible, meaning it's sanctified, it's set apart. It is the holy, sanctified, set-apart book. That, that's what that word means. That's where it comes from. That's the root. Remember, we started with manna, bread from heaven. John 6, 31 says this. Our fathers ate the manna. This is an interesting story because Jesus just feeds the 5,000 with bread and fish, fish and loaves, right? He multiplied the bread. They're following him. They're listening to him. They're saying, okay, how does this happen? Show us more signs of who you are. He's trying to explain all this. And he says, our fa- they, they say, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is, was written, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. They just said, he gave us bread from heaven. Jesus said, no, he didn't. He didn't give you the bread from heaven. Notice, what, notice how he says it. He did give you bread from heaven, but not the bread from heaven. But my father gives you, he says, Jesus says, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then, verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. You know, they were used to eating, eating steaks over at Denny's, but then he told them about Texas Day Brazil, and they're like, give us those steaks, Lord. They sound delicious. We've been feeding on this. And it's interesting how whenever they hear about a different kind of bread, a more life-sustaining bread, they want that because it just sounds like, I need that. There's a reason I'm telling you that. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now they're like, wait a minute. Something ain't jiving. John 6, 48 says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and never die and not die. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. What? I thought you were talking about Texas Day Brazil. You're talking about 
something completely different. That doesn't sound better than Denny's at all. I'm, I'm going to stick with Denny's because that's, I know Denny's. You're saying I got to eat your flesh over at Texas Day Brazil? This isn't going to make any sense. You, he says, the bread, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of this world. And I'm sure at this moment they were like, wait a minute. I ain't eating it. If he's saying I got to take from his flesh and that's got to become my bread, and I've been eating this bread that he just gave me and the other 5,000, I ain't doing it. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Then this, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Revelation 19.11 and 13 says, now I saw heaven opened up, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Twelve. His eyes, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Track with me. John 6, 63, back in the same story, same chapter. He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. He just told him to eat his flesh. Now he's saying it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Yes, he's talking about sin of the flesh, but he's also bringing back, we're talking about flesh here. I told you to eat my flesh but it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. You got to see this big picture because he was talking about bread. Then he says, I'm the bread. Then he says, you got to eat my flesh. Then he's saying flesh makes no difference. It's the spirit that gives life. He said, and then he says, he is the word, the bread of life who has the flesh that they want him to eat is the word. He's deducing it down from, listen, I'm not talking about bread. I'm not talking about flesh. I'm talking about the Word of God. He says, I am the Word of God, and I'm the one that you need to eat from so that you can not only get your daily bread, so you can not only be sustained, but it's so that you can live life more abundantly. You've got to begin to learn to eat from everything that comes out of my life. That's what he's saying right there. We've been confused. How are we going to eat his flesh? By living by every word that Jesus says. Every word that Jesus says. Fogo de Chao, Texas de Brazil, all in one, right here. There it is. He's asking us to eat from the word of God every day in the same way. We're going to go to our refrigerator. We're going to go to Whataburger. We're going to go to Texas de Brazil. Every time, every, in the same way, hunger and thirst for righteousness. He is righteousness. It says that he will, the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be filled. Feeling empty? Hunger and thirst for his word. When I'm, when I'm thinking I need something out of the refrigerator, no, I need a word from God right now. To do the will of the Father is my food. It's a mind shift from natural things into spiritual realities that actually change the dynamic of the natural things around us. John 6, 66 and 69, get this. Notice, notice it's 666. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. I ain't going to eat your flesh. I'm done. 
Yes, I was your disciple. Yes, I was following you. But now you're tripping. You're saying I got to eat your flesh. I'm out of here. This thing just got difficult. You just told me to do something I don't understand. You just told me to do something I'm uncomfortable with. You just told me to do something that, man, it just messes with my thoughts. It messes with everything I'm, I, I like to do. It messes with my pleasures. It messes with my, what I think sustains me. You just asked me to do something that I ain't down with. And that's the Word of God. And that's exactly what happens with his so-called disciples and believers modern day when we trip up on a word from God in his word that challenges us or we hear something from someone around us that's of the word of God and it challenges us. I'm not comfortable with that. That's not what I was taught. That's not what I understand it. I don't like that. I don't think I should need to do that. It's the word of God. And from that moment on, bitterness rises up, some kind of resentment, some kind of, no, you're messing with my comfort zone. I'm out of here. You following me? Happens all the time. His disciples are walking away daily right now because he's telling them to do something that they're not comfortable with. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Here's your time. Now everybody else is leaving. You might as well get on the bus. There's not another one coming through. The word is full of these things that we're called to become and do. Guys, this is why we have the equip track. I'm going to plug this in. This is why we have the equip track. Next May, next, sorry, May 5th, next Saturday, Sunday, after, this, after the second service, we have an equip track. Get plugged in. Find out about you. Find out about what God wants to do through you. Find out the difficult things that make you uncomfortable that God is leading you to do and then lean in to him. Find out these things. We have a serve day. That Monday, we're serving the athletes here in, in, in Athens. Do something that just feels uncomfortable. Maybe Jesus is asking you to do these things so that he can grow you more, so that he can put something else inside of you, so that he can take you from just sustaining life as it is to sustaining the growth that he has for your life. Maybe just maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe you, men... We have a camping trip coming up the night of the 17th and the 18th. Maybe God is putting on your heart already. Man, I'm kind of interested in that. Yes, that's an invitation. Don't betray yourself. Say, I'm going to get registered. I'm going to get plugged into that. I need some guys around me. I need some soldiers in arm around me. I need somebody to walk this stuff out with. I need somebody to hold me accountable. I need somebody to just be around. Get plugged in. You have plenty of access. You have plenty of availability and options. Initiate initiate, or you're going to walk away. No, they're asking too much of me. Jesus, mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. no, you didn't, Jesus. I ain't eating your flesh. I ain't eating. Mm -mm. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if we're getting our daily bread, if we're spending time with him, if we're getting to know him experientially, relationally, that no matter what, when difficult times come and there's things that my flesh doesn't want to do, my desires don't want to do, that thing inside of me that says, boy, it sure would be more comfortable doing this. But when we're, we're resting on the reality that, that 
also we have come to believe and know experientially that Jesus is the Christ. And no matter what he's leading us into, he's going to provide for us. He's going to protect us. He's going to see us through to the other side. And boy, when we know him that way, we, you, are unstoppable. You are unstoppable because you live from victory, and it's the very defeat that has been over you, maybe the generations of the past that is still on your life, that's trying to keep you from going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, which God is giving the invitation. Don't, don't let it be that he has to humble you. Humble yourself. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. Lord, where else could I go? You have the words. You have the truth for life eternal. How can I make any other decision outside of what you are saying? We have the key to everything. We have the key to miracles. Our work, we have the key. We have the encyclopedia from God. We have his autobiography. We have the most favor in all of the world. Don't argue with yourself. Don't argue with yourself over that. You have favor, more favor than the whole world because he flows, he pours out in abundance blessings. It was his word, Psalm 68, 19. Go back and read it. The favor. We have the answer to every problem in our lives. Is there a problem in my life? Let me flip through the word. There's, a, there's an answer to this. You don't need the doctor. You don't need his prescription. You need the verse. You need the word of God. And then like childlike faith, applying that word to your soul, your situation, your sin, your pain, your hurt, your addiction... Your marriage, your finances, your... I don't understand it. I don't, eat, I don't eat this flesh. The Word of God. You've got it. You've got it. He's blessed you with it. And it's an app on our phones that we rarely even open. It's an app. It's at every one of our fingertips. It's easy. All I got to do is open it, and then I read it. Give it a couple of chapters. I promise you, if you begin to read this book, it will change your life. It will change your life. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you right now. And, and I know it's, this is like the most common message you could probably teach. However, I want you to see that there's a new perspective. I want you to see, yeah, don't hear, read the Bible, read the Bible. No, I need some daily provision. I know that life has its struggles. I need something to settle my decisions upon. I need the power of God to move in every occasion. Not those, I got this. But I'm talking about, man, I got to eat that flesh. Boy, I need his word so I know how to do that. The difficult ones. And if you can, I, I just kind of want to shift things around a little bit differently today. If you can, maybe you just, you just get in your seat and maybe you get on your knees or maybe you just lean over. Maybe you just find a place where you know you're with God or maybe you just come up here to the altar and, and maybe we just need to be bowed down before him today. 
Maybe we just needed to be in a place where, you know what, I surrender my way to your ways. Maybe I just need to be in a, in a condition of heart that says I'm humbling myself before you because I don't want to continually have to be humbled by my junk, eating of my own flesh, help me to take of yours. So, Father, right now, I just pray for the boldness and the courage for others to just humble themselves right where they are, or maybe at the altar, where, wherever they can, to be humble before the mighty hand of God so that you may lift them up and they not be built up on their own, I got this, but on your righteousness, your truth, your bread, your love, your strength, your goodness, your mercy.